This week on Dig Me Out. Lying down in the grass with the wind around us as we smile and talk. Listen to your grandma sing those country songs. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Welcome back, Chip. I was jumping right here. into it. We need Still a, a chip. Bit. We need a chip theme song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll work <laughs> on get, that. No, we got to get uh, some some '90s band to do it. Uh, we don't a have the budget for <laughs> hiring. Um, I can go on to GarageBand and pre-select '90s grunge band loop, and that will be the sound. There you go. That works. Metal zone pedal. Hey, you talked to someone. That's why I, you're here. Who did you I talk did. to? So I, I don't want to say bucket list because I have interviewed this person before and I've met him before, but it is always cool to talk to Art Alexakis from Everclear. And that's who I talked to very recently. Um, World of Noise, the band's debut album, was put out on Tim Kerr Records in, I think, 1993. Uh, mm-hmm. It got some traction, um, and in fact, in the interview, Art tells a story about how it got that traction and how Capital ended up signing them. But then Capital re-released it, and um, <clears throat> it's been it, it it has not hit streaming services. Uh, it it it's one of those rare albums that has not made it to any of the services. And on June 10th, the album will officially be on streaming services, and then coming later this year, there's going to be a vinyl reissue of it. So. The opportunity to talk to Art came about because he was doing some promotion for the World of Noise reissue. Excellent. Yeah, we have talked about uh, that record, I believe, Jay, on this uh, very yeah. podcast. It's yes. one of our 600 episodes. One of our 600. Yes. So um, it, there are points in the in the interview. You know, we did a we we chatted a little bit before I hit record, and so there are some references that um, I think they'll make sense anyway. But a couple things. I have met Art before, like I mentioned. I interviewed him on the phone in 94, 95. Um, he doesn't remember that, and I'm not sure that I remember that so much. But uh, I, I, uh, after Sparkling Fate came out, they were on tour. They were headlining. Uh, no Doubt was opening on that tour, which is pretty crazy to think about. And I had a friend who worked at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they were playing in Cleveland. And so I hooked up. Uh, I, I, my wife and I picked Everclear up at the hotel they were staying at and took them to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Took them on a little bit of a tour. They had a radio interview that day. And so we only got to do like a really quick pass through probably maybe 30 minutes. But I did, you know, mention that to him before we did the interview. And so I think at some point we, we talked about that. He remembers going to the Hall of Fame. I, you know, he was nice enough, I think, to say that he like he remembered me from that, but I'm not sure that he did. Yeah. Um, and then also <laughs> probably six or seven years ago, um, my daughter interviewed Art for Kids Interview Bands. And it was kind of cool when I first joined the Zoom call with Art. I mentioned that that was my daughter that had done that. And he's got a 14 year old daughter and he was like, we were just watching that last week. I was showing her how this, how this little girl interviewed me. So, um, so he does remember that. So it was a cool conversation. Excellent. Very cool to have that much personal connection. Yeah. It's And you guys have been through this before, right? Like it's cool for me because I remember all these things, but I'm sure he's yeah. been interviewed by like 2000 journalists and I'm sure mm-hmm. he remembers very few of these chance encounters, but that's right. the kind of thing with, that's a cool thing with meeting bands is like when bands are cool to you, 
that you know, as fans or as interviewers, like you'll remember that forever, which is a, is a cool thing, which is why all bands should be nice to their fans. Yeah, you, don't, you might end up uh, doing an interview with them 30 years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> that's a lesson. Know. That's a lesson to you, uh, uh, Sean Mendez, or uh, whatever popular artist of the time that I don't know what they sound like, but I heard their name before. Let's get into it. Let's talk about, or let's uh, let's let Chip uh, share his interview with Art from Everclear. So I will tell you that. Um, I think you're making a lot of fans happy. I'm in a lot of like music discussion board and stuff, and and everybody has noticed that World of Noise is not available on streaming services. So, uh, no. <laughs> trust me, they tell me. I know. <laughs> yeah, and and if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, like you've had sort of possession of the of the the masters for a while now. Well, I I I've owned them. I've owned them from the beginning. I paid for them, not the band, not not. TK, nobody. I paid for it. I own them through all all the entities. Capital, it, their first contact was like, we'd like you to surrender these for the price of a dollar. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want me to give you my first album, which is which I've broke my butt trying to sell, and I've sold, at this point, 60,000 records without you, which for an indie label is... Indie record is huge. Oh yeah, you want me to give you the record? <laughs> I laughed in the face of the president of Capitol. He's like, "You're laughing in my face." Like, oh yeah, <laughs> I am. I am. That's not going to happen. If this, if that's a deal breaker, then uh, thanks, thanks for the dinner, man. The dinner was awesome. Thanks for the steak. Yeah, uh, but um, so- no, I I've held on to it. Um, it was it's been out of print since 1999. Um, never went to social media at like what you're talking about it's been kind of a relentless not a storm but a relentless river of of people bugging me to put it on social media it ebbs and goes ups and down but um i found the tapes i found the master tapes here at my studio me and freddie did and uh we're like and and it was january of 2022 I'm like, it's the 30th anniversary. We should put these out and make a big deal about it. Yeah. And we did. That's what we've done. So it's going to be streaming in June. And then I think I read uh, a vinyl release as well. Yeah, we're working. I just looked at the, uh, just uh, approved and actually made some changes to the artwork. We're doing a fold out and you're, there's going to be, we're doing an original run of 2,000 copies of the vinyl. And the first thousand is going to have, um, you can buy the option of 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 having a seven inch um forty five in the in the record like you know in the mm-hmm. game so yeah that's gonna be really cool i uh I can't remember what I had for lunch three days ago, so i'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you some questions about thirty years ago, and if you don't remember that's totally cool, but I love looking at at liner notes and i have I do have the c d um i think i I have the yeah, the capital version of the CD, but I was, I was looking at the, the kind of the, the credits and I'm just wondering, do you keep in touch with, is it Carl Brummer, Rob Cunningham, Mike Locke, Darren Lewis, any of those guys? 
No, and there's specific reasons for most of them. Carl Brummer, I didn't know Carl. I mean, I I I, I saw him over a fence. I was digging out a, a, a garden for an extra hundred bucks with a friend of my wife's. She's like, go make some money. I'm like, okay. And uh, I look over the, the the wall, and there's these hipster-looking guys and this one hippie-looking guy, Carl, um, <laughs> going out, in and out of this uh, basement. And I'm like, that's a drug deal. Dude. I, don't, <laughs> I, I might be claiming sober four years, but I know a drug deal when I see one. And he came out later, he goes, hey, man, aren't you the guy from that band Evergreen or whatever the hell that is? I saw you guys down at the Belmont Tavern. I go, Everclear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so what's going on over there, dude? See you guys going in and out. He goes, I got a four-track studio. Want to check it out? Or eight-track eight track studio. You want to check it out? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Jumped over <laughs> the fence. Put my shovel down. <laughs> jumped over the fence. Went over there and looked at it. And I'm like, you know, it was old school. Eight crates, you know, foam. Um, but he had some decent mics. He had a Fostex 319, I think, the uh, quarter-inch A-track. Um, he had some effects. He was saying, man, I, I really want to get a like a, a digital delay and a reverb. And I go, well, I happen to have a quadroverb, and, which is an old thing they don't make anymore, but uh, and a, digital, a Lexon digital, Lexicon digital delay. And will you trade me for time? And he's like, yeah, bring it over. And I brought it over. He goes, I, I thought he was going to give me like $200. He goes, I'll give you $400 in recording. I go, okay, that's 10 bucks an hour, 40 bucks, 40 hours of recording. I can record every song we got. We have 12 songs. <laughs> we record every song we got right now. And we did it in the next two weeks, mixed it, and remixed it over the next couple of months. And one of the things I wanted to do with it, I didn't tell... Craig and Scott, the guys in the band, is we were having a hard time. I, I didn't know if this was the band, right? Yeah. I didn't know if this was the band, and I wanted to hear what we had. And you can't really do that when you're playing it. You yeah. got to you got to listen to a recording. So I'm like, this is a low dough way of doing it. I don't have a lot of money right now. I had so little money, I couldn't afford to put new tubes in my amp. That's why my amp is squealing all the time. <laughs> And I only had one guitar because I lost one from a pawn shop because um, I missed it by taking the ticket back by a day. And they, they took my guitar. I had a Fender, uh, Fender Telly, and they took it. So I had this hollow body uh, Gretsch, or Guild, rather, and it was feeding back constantly, like, ah! So I named the record Worlds of Noise. But I wanted to see what I had, and I went in, we recorded and mixed, and I'm like, Okay, there's something there. I, I, I get it. You know, I played it for my girlfriend. And she's like, this is pretty badass. Um, yeah. I, I go, okay. So um, I sent it to South by Southwest, and they called me back two weeks later, called me, and um, said, you have two sh showcases. Can you show up in in first week of March? And I'm like, Sure. I had no idea how we're <laughs> to get there, you know. Yeah. Oh, but man, when there's a will, there's a way. And we figured it out. But before we went out of town, we uh I uh I scraped up enough money to get like go to this place and get twenty five 
copies of the tape, right? And with a new cover and lyric sheet and a bio and put it all into a white envelope, eight and a half by 11 white envelope. And we mailed them out to every club in the, the Northwest, Portland all over, even in Spokane, uh, papers, uh, everything, you know, that we could that get something going. And um, sent them out before we left, toured down to Texas. Coming back, um, I get a frantic text on my, or on my pager. Remember pagers? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I call my girlfriend. I go, what's up? She goes, you need to get home now. I go, I'm in Iowa. Or, or <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah. I'm coming home. She goes, come home now. She goes, there's like 60 messages on our, on our uh, phone, machine, phone machine. And uh, you, everybody in town is writing about you. Even in the rocket, they're calling, calling you the best new band of Portland. Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, it, it just kind of blew up. Yeah. I mean, you can't write that story. That's just, no. I mean, that's just like magic. That's the stuff when you're in a band, you dream of stuff like that happening. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what got it going. And so, but, became, go ahead. Oh, I'd say between Colorfinger and, and Everclear, was Everclear um, maybe a, a last-ditch effort, or was it like, I'm going to keep doing this until it catches on somewhere? Or This was my last band. <laughs> I, I Seriously, it was my last band. I yeah. talked about it when I go to my, my 12-step meetings, and uh, you know I did steps on it. This was my last band. I'm, and I committed to my girlfriend. This is my last band. If we can't do this, when the baby's like a year or two older, um, we should move to LA and I'll get a job at a label. And um, I'll, I'll be a president of the label in five years, I guarantee you. And, so, and, and here you are 30, 30 years later. And, and you've, done, you've done label stuff, right? Like you've been, have you I done have, A&R stuff? And- we, yeah, kind of lamely. I mean, I, 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 I could have done it better. In hindsight, but yeah, I've had my own labels. I've been an NR for major labels. I've done that. I just always had too much. This is in hindsight, me being really honest. I didn't do it as well as I could have. But to be fair, when Capital signed me as an ANR guy, it's because Geffen and Interscope wanted wanted to sign me. And I went to Gary Gersh. I said, I'm going to give you an op- the, a chance to give me the deal that they're going to give me. And um, I, because I don't want to embarrass you, you know, and he's like, great, I'll pay you way more than they're paying. Everything's great. I'll give you a better title. Go great. He didn't say he would, he would guarantee, and he told me later, I didn't tell you I was going to put your records, I was going to sign your bands. I'm not doing that. And I'm like, and I can't tell you, Skip, who these bands are. I might put it in the book someday. We'll see. But out of the 10 bands I tried to um, push, 10 of them got signed wow. to other labels. All of, all of the 10 put out records, which is a big deal. They've made a record that was good enough that the label put it out. 
and four of them were platinum or multi-platinum. Wow. You know those bands. <laughs> you know the bands. And I could have signed them. Yeah. And he wouldn't yeah. let me. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, I guarantee he didn't even listen to it. Yeah. So without naming those bands, um, because the podcast, like I said, is about overlooked and underappreciated records, what is a, an album from the 90s that you think that people should know about today that maybe didn't get the, uh, get the sales or acclaim that it should have? Um, well, to be honest with you, from the earlier 90s, uh, before we put our record out, the Muffs' first record, um, yeah. and, and, and I don't know if you're a fan of the Muffs or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and you know, she, Kim just died. Yeah. Since, so we both have autoimmune diseases. But um, that first record is just amazing. That's the reason, and Billy Joe said it, that's the reason they signed with Rob Cavallo because yeah. Rob Cavallo had signed and produced that must record, not must record. That first must record is just yeah. classic. I yeah. think that, I think that's a record that every should be in everybody's. If you like rock and roll, that should be in your, your album collection for sure. For, for sure. So the thing that I remember when I got, I think I got a capital, one of those, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the nineties. I started writing in the nineties. And so, you know, they used to put those compilation CDs together. And I think that's where I heard fire maple song the first time. And that's what got me into why I bought world of noise. And I think for me, world of noise resonated because you sounded like every college band in Columbus or Ohio state, but, but better, you know what I mean? It was very like the sound was, I was hearing bands like Everclear a lot, but not at Everclear's level. And so when I heard this, I'm like, it was very comfortable and familiar but it was that next step. And I think that's what, what turned me on to World of Noise so much was that it wasn't, and I, I hope this isn't an insult, but it wasn't anything different or unusual, but it was like, it was just that much better. I've never heard a band that sounded like World of Noise, so I would like to hear that. But I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. There was a lot of that, you know, especially like Fire Maple Song of starting soft and building up and crescendo type stuff. But uh, no, there's... That, I, I do get it though, and I do think we had kind of a Midwest kind of thing to it because I've yeah. always I've always liked bands like that that grew up in the Midwest, like before punk rock bands like Ario uh, Speedwagon. I love Kevin Cronin's voice, yeah. so there's there's that lilt to my voice for sure. And I grew up singing country and R and B and all sorts of stuff like that, so I could see that in Portland. We didn't sound like anybody. Um, so I mentioned, like, I did, I interviewed you, I did a phone interview with you between those albums, and you were touring. So the world of noise, so it takes off, Capital signs you, and you go on the road. Um, what was that like, like the world of noise tour versus Sparkle and Fade, when you're all of a sudden playing bigger theaters and selling stuff out? Was world of noise a lot of uh, making just enough gas money to get town to town, or were you starting to build a following at that point? Well, define world of noise tour, like, before Capital or after Capital? I don't know. I never, before I never Capitol, saw you on any of those. Yeah. Before Capital, we're in a minivan. Um, I, I had budgeted us to four bucks <laughs> a, a, a day, which at the time you could get two, two value meals. Right. You know, you can, and hopefully we could get a pizza and salad from a, from a venue. Yeah. Um, that was, that was the reality of that touring. Um, but, um, after we signed to Capital, 
I remember going out on tours and I made him buy us a van. So we toured all that in in 94 um, and early 95. We toured in the van. and uh, But then when Sparkling Fate came out, uh, we were in a bus. We yeah. opened for, for uh, Sponge in the Midwest and all over the country, I think. And yeah. uh, that was a different world. Once you go to the bus, it's a different world. Yeah. And we went back to the van for a couple tours that summer uh, with a band called Hackfish opening up for yeah. us. But uh, then uh, we got a tour with Filter, opening up Filter. And then we were in the bus and I've been in the bus ever since. Yeah. Well, I guess August, September of 95. And if someone comes to me today, my business manager or manager goes, man, all right, can't afford the bus anymore. You got to go back to the van or the Sprinter van. I'd be like, well, I'm done, guys. That was a great run. I had a great run. That's awesome. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> You want to come see me play? Come, come to LA. I'm, cause I'm, <laughs> I, uh, I definitely saw that filter tour. Now that you, I forgot about that, but now that you mentioned, and I Where? did not, um, probably at, no, I think at Bogarts in Cincinnati or no, 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 not Bogarts. It was, they had a venue called, um, we played Bogarts, we played Bogarts, but there was a venue called, I think it was called the garage. It was a big, it was a big venue. It was right down by the, the, um, the stadium, like the, where the reds play and it wasn't open that long but i think that's where i saw you but it might have been bogart no, you're right we played we played with sponge at bogart's okay because that's i remember we got that's where we got on our our first bus and i remember pulling up to bogart's and we had played across the street from bogart's before sudsy malone's huh sudsy malone's yeah sudsy malone's at the, the wash yeah the and the and the, and the club yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but we were like, you know, looking at Bogarts, going, man, someday we're going to play here. This is awesome. And um, we opened for Sponge there, which was really cool. But we pulled up, and our bus is like this crappy old <laughs> American Eagle. And we thought it was the coolest thing ever. And as we pull up, Sponge's bus is right there. They all came off the bus and they all just came up and hugged us. And, and, uh, it gave us, yeah, I think, a bottle of champagne. And one of them knew I was uh, sober, so he gave me an O'Doul's or something. And uh, they they treated us like brothers on that tour. Yeah. And filter, speak- filter, let's just say not so much. Yeah, not. <laughs> I, I understand that. And, and Sponge, another band, 30 years later, Vinny's still, he's still doing it. And you've taken them out on the Summerland tour, and they're still, they're still out there. Killing it. A great rock and roll band. Great yeah. Rock. The, the other thing is, um, I think on the Hagfish tour, wasn't Triple Fest Action part of that bill too? That well, not on that tour. Okay, they they were they were. Let's see. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, where is that? Where is that? So, can you can you see that up there? Oh yeah, yeah. So March twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six. That was, um, yeah, that was just as the album was going. That was Everclear, Hagfish, and Triple Fast Action. Awesome. Can you, can you see that at the Fillmore? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, Triple Fast is one of those bands for me is that underappreciated. Like, I love those records, and I, they probably sold like 5,000 copies total. <laughs> I know. You know what's funny? 
Um, and and I became friends with Wes, who I think yeah. is an agent now. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. But uh, great songwriter. That first album is just killer. You've got the upcoming summer tour. That's um, I, I did notice I went to that setlist.fm site. Are you familiar with that? It basically people can input when they go see a show, they can upload the, the set list. And so you can see kind of what songs are being played. We're going we're gonna to change the set list for this. I'm already working on it. So I was going to say, like, I noticed like World of Noise songs, there's most of them, more. okay, as I say, most of them don't get played very often. No, no, they, there's going to be more. There's going to be at least three. I, and uh, maybe Pacific Wonderland, maybe Blondes. Um, and um, no, so yeah. Cool. We're, it's going to be a new set and and i'm we're trying to find a new way to start off the set we got a new backdrop yeah. or i just i was just i just put a bunch of money into gear new cases and uh new new snare drums for my drummer and uh we're we're you know we're we're gonna mix it up we're yeah. gonna keep it fresh man so so i know everclear the current version of everclear has been around way longer than any other version of the band um and three, three times as long and and you know i know i'm sure you hate this question and i'm sure it would be like you asking me like so are you ever going to get back together with your high school girlfriend but is there any chance you would ever do a one-off nope a one-off probably not maybe yeah. um with one of the guys yeah the other guy, I don't see it happening, man. I, believe, I, I the toy makes sense to me. I get it, but you know, I'm sure you get that question all the time. I, I just don't. I don't look back. I don't yep. go back. Yep. Well, and I and I don't know if there already is something in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but since I took you there, um, have you either have you ever contributed something, or if they yeah. came to you and okay, they they had all sorts of stuff oh, cool. for a while. They sent some of the stuff back, and then and then they asked for some stuff, some other stuff. But they had they had our suits from uh, oh. uh, uh, and guitars from Woodstock for for a long time. Awesome. And uh, but um, I think they still got a couple of guitars. Yeah, and I do know but my friend. Give them back. I'll take them back. <laughs> no problem. Uh, my friends would would kill me if I don't ask you about this. So I did read um, between Sparkle and Fade and so much for the Afterglow. Like you 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 made another record, right? Um, or you had demos. What was the pure pure white evil? It was Afterglow. Afterglow. It, was just a, it was the first name. Okay. I recorded, we recorded a, a record in the fall of 96, which most of those songs became so much for the Afterglow, but the tentative title, the working title, was Pure White Evil. And um, I dropped a couple songs out over Christmas, wrote a couple new songs, including I'll Buy You a New Life, um, something else, I forget what's other song. And then um, mixed it, and uh, wasn't great. Yeah. My NR guy told me it wasn't great. I knew it wasn't great, and uh, no ego uh, was going to tell me that uh, it was. So I uh, stayed in New York, worked a bunch of, um, wrote wrote some new songs, um, made a bunch of notes of old songs, and uh, called the guys and. Decided to get, uh, try to get Andy Wallace to mix it, and he did. And uh, just, but he couldn't mix it till June, which gave me four or five months to, 
to go in the studio and record all sorts of stuff. And we we, we recorded uh, El Distorto, One Hit Wonder, um, a song from American Movie, which went to the next record. Um, uh, Something else. Oh, oh, uh, Why Don't Believe in God, Um, which had been a Color Finger song. And we did it as a band song. And... um, and then uh, the song called So Much for the Afterglow, which became the title track. So, and we pulled some songs off it, put, put those on it, remix, put new production, and then when, in June, mixed it with Andy Wallace, came out in October. Okay. I didn't know if there was like this secret long lost record of stuff that no one had ever heard. No. Okay. No, everybody's pretty much heard everything, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Even stuff I don't want them to hear. <laughs> I got into a debate the other day about the song called Deep In and Empty Out that that uh, was a demo. And they're like, why didn't you finish this? And I'm like, because I didn't want to. I, I didn't feel it's that good of a song. Yeah. Well, it's your best song ever. Well, I go, well, if you feel that, then <laughs> okay. Right, right. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I, 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 as as a never clear fan, I would say that's not true. <laughs> but uh, as the guy who wrote the song, uh, my my opinion, you know, bad choice of words now, but that trumps yeah your yeah. opinion, lady. <laughs> yeah, very good. But anyway, cool. Well, I am okay. done with my questions, so I appreciate the time. Um, One more? No, I'm done. Okay, great. Uh, appreciate right. appreciate great, the time. Great to see you, Chip. Yeah, great All to right. see you. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.